Hello, Voices of Wrestling listener. Dave Ryan here. Have you ever wondered to yourself, how many hidden gems are hidden away inside the last years of World Championship Wrestling? Have you ever asked yourself how many tenuous gags can be made about the name Mike Enos? And have you ever thought about what it sounds like for two Irishmen to interpret a very chaotic company through its B-show? The answers to all this and more are just a click away. Check out Days of Thunder every second Thursday on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Thunder Buddies and Travelers Down Thunder Road, it's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to as part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network and powered by a large man I'm your party host, your troubadour on Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I'm joined by a co-host again this week, uh, a first-time appearance on the show from Voices of Wrestler contributor, Joey O'Doherty. How are you, my friend? I'm very good, as you or you said, I think I had a very fast and furious day today. Not unlike your fast and furious day. I Yeah, I think yours might have been faster and more furious than mine. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't know what I'm talking about, I uh, became a father this morning. So it's hey. been a pretty hectic day. Woo-hoo. Breaking uh, news. That's, that's what Days of Thunder is known for. Breaking paternity news left, right and centre. <laughs> ah, no, it's really good to be a dad again. And yeah. again, I've got the adrenaline in my soul, maybe a bit like unlike Cody. Oh. And I won't be going to sleep tonight. She's in the hospital, so I've got time on my hands to, you know, go ahead and have a look at some thunder. Yeah. Is there, like, what is your, like, because I've actually, for maybe the first time, you know, I was telling you before I we came on that I'm, I'd be 34 in a couple of weeks. And, like, my entire life, I have never really had trouble sleeping. Like, I can pretty much, like, I just pop in, like, one headphone, or now that I'm an old, old man, I have those, like, sleep headphones that go around you like a headband, (laughs) like, so that it's not uncomfortable lying on my side with a headphone in, and I put on, like, a podcast or something like that, and I'm gone within about five or ten minutes, but the last couple of weeks... I had this weird restlessness at night. What do you have? Like, obviously, you're full of adrenaline right now. So, what would be your go-to thing to unwind in the evening if you were looking oh. to kind of get some sleep Dave, in? Dave, ever since I became a father eight years ago, I'm gonna go to this father, you know, shtick every five yeah. minutes today because that's all I'm in. You, I it's your brand. Lean into it, man. Yeah, that's it. I've never had a problem sleeping since then. They wear you out. You get up early for school. Mm. You get you bring them to training. You, you... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
nine, nine years. Right. Okay. So like I, I, I have I, I have at least a minimum of nine months of sleeplessness left if I can't find an alternate <laughs> yeah. strategy. Well, maybe wait for don't, don't, yeah, yeah. don't jump into a yeah, straight yeah, I'm not gonna say romance that. the girl yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like darling I've been thinking about it and I just really like asleep so um, yeah I like it's weird it's like I've always been kind of a, a nocturnal person do you know and I think that goes back to the days of watching like Raw Live and some of that when I was in college that pretty much since I was 18 it's like I go to bed between 2 and 3 a.m. and I like my work suits that lifestyle very good because i don't have to start until 11 a.m usually at the earliest um which is pretty good you know i'm not i'm not wrecked but i again i've never have trouble sleeping but just the last week or two it's it's a really it's a really weird thing maybe it's the dread of i know what's coming in 1999 thunder and there's this like existential (laughs) thing keeping me awake what are you sure you want to do this that cloud of vince russo just hanging over you yeah that could be it like he's coming he's coming i know i know my own advice would be pre having children go yeah. for a run yeah maybe you use around half eight maybe nine like i like to i used to like to get for a run as much yeah. as i could and a good 30 minutes and you know just mm. to get the juices flowing a bit and you, know, you might just do you know, i'm a big swimmer but my um my gym there's a gym my gym is like it's great because it's about a 10 minute walk from my house but the gym the the pool closes at 8 30 which sucks, wow. <laughs> you know, like that's, and that's normally when I'm getting that's home really from early, work. Yeah. yeah, like that's, that really does not suit me. But look, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. My, I've run out of now because of what I was doing the last while the podcast I was on was I was binging all the Deadlock podcasts and they're kind of nice. like reviews of classic wrestling and stuff. Because um, I'm trying to, the thing that's tough about doing this is... Any time a podcast I listen to hits WCW in this period, I have to stop listening to it because I don't want that cross pollination of like yeah, stealing someone's gags. Yeah. yeah, yeah, stealing someone's gags, stealing someone's takes. I don't want that. So like they've done a few that are in this kind of timeline, and I've kind of had to like skip around it. But you know, I'll find something else, something less sad than I think Elden Ring lore videos were my one before that. Um, that's <laughs> just a, it's a deep sickness. Like I can't really excuse it. But um. Joey, enough about me. Let's talk about you. So you're in the co-pilot chair for this podcast, and I'm going to ask you what I asked Aaron a couple of weeks ago, uh, and that's to describe to us, um, I suppose, the history of your fandom in terms of wrestling in general, and then where WCW enters into the equation for you. Well, first of all, I remember what you said two weeks ago to Aaron that she was top of your list. I surely was bottom of your list, probably just after WWE Garrett, I imagine. <laughs> I was definitely never oh, going to be there. Like, <laughs> Aaron's a great guest. She was fantastic. Mm. Aaron, Aaron put in the hard yards of being like one of the, the first people I remember frequently in the mentions on Twitter when we started this thing. Um, so it would have been remiss of us to reach out onto the, into the Thunder Buddies and not go with Aaron. Oh, and she's connected the dots then with, you know, Randy Savage and Kevin Nash and Wilder feuding all the way back to Survivor Series in 1993. Like, it's it makes so much sense. Yeah. Or no sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's WCW. It can make all the sense and no sense all at once. It, it is what you make of it, you know, that's it. Like, every week there's going to be something different that probably wasn't, you know, very much, uh, you know, thought of the week before. And it's just, let's just throw this at the wall and see what sticks. And let's throw it again and see if it sticks again. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> but um, to answer your original question, my fandom with WCW really 
didn't really come in the terms of actual watching the wrestling. For me, I was a very poor Irishman. As, as you can imagine, WWE was mostly, for most people, the only game in town. Like, I know yourself, maybe you used to have the, the satellite feed of TNT. Some people did, but I wasn't very fortunate at that. So my WCW fandom came from either the odd uh, Saturday, uh, Saturday show on ITV or potentially just reading about it and probably around, I'd say around from 98, maybe to, you know, to obviously this demise, reading Power Slam magazines and getting up to speed exactly who Sting is, who Goldberg is. Like these these are people that in these magazines, these were larger in life and they looked shit cool. And I just had no access to them. So like it really wasn't until the network really came around to actually go back and watch a few pay-per-views or, you know, watch a couple of couple of nitros. I never, I think I watched one Thunder in my, my actual life until uh, Dissipate particular episode so you know it's been a it's been a journey <laughs> yeah sorry about that in advance um, oh yeah but uh you come at a very interesting time and this is like it, it's funny because it's like it's almost the perfect era of the show to have guest hosts on because we're in this i was kind of describing it on the last episode with uh aaron where we haven't we've we've firmly left the period where i think you could have turned things around easily for wcw but we've <sighs> not yet entered death rattle era that's that's I- Russo. I think wrestling's always very easy to recover once there's not too much lasting damage. Like I think just in recent memory, you look at like Miro and his his gamer character, for example, and how that was absolutely terrible. But a couple of weeks later, a bit of a bit of you know absence from Miro came back as the redeemer, and you can see how easily fans just forgot about the absolutely crap gimmick mm. he had. And I think in WCW, like. It never really got to the change where if things were to change to a certain degree, that they could really forget about the past it got yeah. to the stage especially in this particular area where things were just going downhill very slowly I, and it was very hard to stop that i think know, i think it's tough for, i think it's tough for them as well because aw don't have to contend now with like i can change the channel to an incredibly hot product like w with wcw where like if thunder or like if, if nitro isn't doing it for me if it's another dog shit three hour nitro I can switch over to the Nashville network and something crazy is happening on Raw, you know, because we've got Raw like... Raw was particularly hot this particular yeah. period. Like, you know, you've got, you got Jericho who's just probably about to pop up on the screen. You've got yeah. The Rock, Triple H, they're, hit, they're really hitting their stride. It's a, mm. a really different story for what's going on in, in Titan Towers yeah. compared to what's happening so in So, like, we're in AEW is like... I think a lot of the fans give like a Miro or whoever else like a lot of rope because I don't think a lot of the regular AEW people are people that are going to be likely to go back over to WWE anytime soon. I think like their core is going to be made up of people who are just what WWE presents to them is long since past what they're interested in with like some rare exceptions, I'm sure. Um but it is it is a fair point that like I I do think that in some areas I've noticed WCW touring still at this point they haven't given up the fans haven't given up on the company but they're just begging for anything like just give us a morsel of the stuff that we started watching this started attending these shows for and WCW just don't seem partial to give them anything. There are some stuff. There are some things potential that succeed. there. There's yeah. a lot of potential there. Dave, even just mm-hmm. looking at Thunder, like there is people and talent there that you can use in a positive yeah. way. They just don't. <laughs> yeah, 
you know like it's it's the same old story with them is like there's so many people that like since even since we started the podcast and like that's only you know um 98 like 98 99 you've got loads of people who you can see getting hot organically with the crowd to the point where they could pull the trigger on them and make a new guy like maybe not a stone cold rock um level guy but a guy like a big star and they've made one in this time in goldberg and and fucked it um but what happens with everybody bar goldberg is that before they pull the trigger and put the belt on the guy it's like they keep them in the holding pattern so long because whoever it is on top like nash or hogan or whoever just doesn't want to share that plinth with anybody and by the time it gets to oh we might as well go with this guy they've cooled off you know it's it is incredibly frustrating um seeing how over some of these guys are and how much the crowd the crowd and the the organic direction of things is telling them like it's flat out giving them answers to their problems and they can't hear it and they can't see it or they won't um it's it's there's been so many people you can see that's even just before this period in WCW that like you say they've missed the boat and but it, like you say by the time they do pull the trigger the chance is gone and this is it's not just a, a once off occurrence this happens habitually going throughout yeah. throughout WCW's history, yeah. history. like and it's not just it's not just a problem that's confined to WCW WWF are very much guilty of that yes sort of same you know booking flaw sometimes well but probably not just to the same extent hmm. but like you know Lex Luger for example the time for him was SummerSlam 93 yeah. and it just that was it and the, the law of the nation returns is just fans didn't give a shit going forward and thankfully you know probably hmm. for fans at the time he wasn't given that push afterwards maybe Vince just didn't see it from that point forward but mm. at the same time Luger there was potential there he had yeah. it he had the fans he had like he, the Lex Express I don't know about you but like at the time I felt this guy was the next Hogan at the time when he was facing the Yokozuna at SummerSlam I thought this, this yeah. is the, the pinnacle for him that he's going to get this and it just didn't happen to him it was a bit of a you know, wet fart in the end and at the end look, look where he was a year later he was mm-hmm. in a tag team with British Bulldog and he was doing that gimmick with uh, the Million Dollar Man and Tatanka like it just what could have been yeah like uh, Lex Express was like slightly before my time as a fan because it's like so I came I'm in showing in, my age I know I came <laughs> in in 96 um, oh 89 Brett, for me I'm such a yeah, such an old bastard Brett and Sean was, was me getting in and um like I even though I was getting in that I can totally see like going back when I've looked at any of the Lex era stuff I'm just like like how did you not like even if you didn't see in him what you saw in a Hogan or whoever else the crowds were telling you that they wanted it so like you should have you know And, and like still to this day that company is doing that kind of stuff like we saw with like just this year with Sammy and then Cody is like the crowd were telling you they were ready for Roman to drop the belt and it was the perfect like crescendo of story and how rarely do you get that twice in a month where you get to like you could have the perfect dismount from this long running story you've backed yourself into a corner on but even with Le- just on, on Lex before we move on like Lex was still so over that the cup, the when they would put the belt on him in WCW was a huge thing. Like when he won the belt on Nitro, it's one of the biggest Nitro moments of all time. Um, and he's still like he's showing up 
the, the, periodically when they remember he's on the roster and get him out on a Nitro or Thunder in this period of time in 99, like, he still gets huge reactions. So, like, even though he wasn't worth a fuck in the ring, definitely in 99 anyway, um, no, he's, he's still, like, would have been a big attraction at the top of the card, even if it wouldn't have been tremendously entertaining to watch bell to bell he was he was presented like a star like again like i go back to as a wwf guy from back in that era and i'd be flicking through the magazines and i'd look at guys like luger and sting and like they appeared like they were big deals who were presented to me as a fan i was like i want to check these guys out i just have no means to do it really mm. or didn't have a friend that had it so for me i look at these guys and i think automatically these guys have an aura their wcw are making these guys look cool yeah. the whole aesthetic of wcw at the time for me anyway it looked like it was very interesting and like anytime i did get to see the likes of sting in action or like buff bagwell for example even though like like again buff bagwell he's not exactly the the pinnacle of wrestling but he looked like he was presented to a star and he had that charisma that yeah. he could present himself as something more than a big deal but just again booking never really followed yeah. suit and he's one of the ones that like it stands to your point of like you can heat people back up again it's never completely over because this little run he's on now they've heated him up quite a bit like not to this guy is going to win the world title level but you know they've had him get the better of Flair and the boys like very frequently of late and like got a clean pin over Flair which doesn't happen that often even now in 99 so you absolutely can do it if you want which just speaks to their kind of having the blinders on and like you know we've done the laundry list before me and Lee on the show about like just in the 98 to where we are now you've had opportunities to do something like at different levels, not all world title levels, but like you've had moments with Dean, with Jericho, with Saturn, with Raven, um, with DDP, with Booker T is the one that like they do eventually go with Booker T. They did eventually go with DDP, but by the time they did, it's not as special as if they had struck while the iron was hot. And particularly DDP's case, where by the time they, they make him a multiple time world champion, they've turned him heel, which nobody wanted. Um, it's it's just bizarre and like it it's one of the great what ifs for me would have been what if they went Booker a year earlier. Yeah, like um, Booker was he was he was really at one stage and in, in probably around ninety nine if I recall correctly like yeah. he was starting to gather really good big momentum he was yeah. starting to like you know lose the Harlem Heat stink for lack of a better word I don't yeah. think really stink is probably the correct term but he was starting to show himself as this is a guy he 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 can be presented the star he has yeah. something. But just it never got over that hump, and by the time it got to the hump, I think it was a two thousand. Just yeah. didn't. He, he felt like a lesser guy. He, he he felt like he'd only going with him because the other guys are gone or they're out of the yeah. picture. And in two thousand, they're they're already like hot shotting the world title around every five minutes, so it wasn't oh, special God. anymore. When you get to that era, man. It's just gonna get yeah. so confusing to people who like, weren't in that era. To the watch fact it, that like. like in the last you know 10 12 months of that promotion um booker manages to get five title reigns and he's not even one of the guys they ever considered a top top guy he tells you um, what, how, how many resets do they have in that period only one of them was good i'll tell you that and it was only good for one episode but again that's something we will get to uh i don't know about you joey but you're ready to talk about some thunder I am indeed. Let's do it. This is Thunder episode 69. Nice. From <laughs> Lafayette, Louisiana. 1st of July, 1999. Uh, we are down uh, below the three mark in ratings. This got a 2.7. 
dipping, dipping, dipping. Trouble. Trouble ahead. I don't know about you, Joey. I'm worried about World Championship Wrestling. I no, know. you're going to... It's, it's going to spike around. Ooh, <laughs> 2001. Is, yeah, new boom period right on the way. <laughs> um, so, Tanay immediately throws to Nitro. Um, and we see Nash defending the title against insurmountable odds. Um where just a small army of people appeared to be interfering in this match. Classic Nitro. Uh, I spotted, uh, I don't know if you spotted anybody else, but I spotted Team Madness, uh, Flair, Piper, Arn, the entire Jersey triad, and the woman now identified as Tori Wilson. Uh, For the first time, she's no longer Samantha. Um, I am quite sure, I haven't watched this Nitro, but I'm quite sure that no references to her being previously Samantha were ever made. It was just, there's Tori. I, I, fine. I, yeah, I don't I, mind that I, 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 I can that. buy that because I, I, I wouldn't have remembered her as Samantha too much myself I wish I wish I didn't remember Samantha um, <laughs> but yes yeah, so um, the segment ends uh, with Nash wielding a cattle prod abducting gorgeous George and then Tori who had initially been out with the heels deciding to go voluntarily with Nash and his hostage um, and then we see Sting big quote Sting uh, looking A-sting. on from yeah, A-sting, <laughs> uh from the wing mirror of a Hummer. Um, yes, yes, folks, there will be more Hummer chat on this program. There's, there's a lot to dissect from that Nitro yes. uh, recap. First of all, like my first thoughts is Aaron Anderson is doing his best uh, football on the groin impression. Uh, <laughs> yeah. God bless. He's like, so I'd love bad. to have picked Aaron's brain around this time and what he thought of all this. Like... Because at least, like, you know, you know that Flair, like, from everything Flair said since, like, Flair was already checked out and he was just, like, collecting his paycheck and he was just hoping that, like, maybe his son would get, like, a decent payday. And that's kind of all he was mentally in it for in WCW by 99, like, after all the unpleasantness with Bischoff was settled. Um, But Arn, like, being such a Roslin guy, seeing this whole place crumble around him like just penny for his thoughts during some of these segments like just like it's it's fascinating to see how like i say just for example i say 10 years ago in wwe from like 2023 things aren't that dramatically different but 10 things 10 years from wcw it's a completely different era different setup different mindset it's yeah. like to be Aaron Anderson to go from that transition to be with this company the whole time more or less yeah. I think it's beyond the brain busters going to WWF at the time mm. like this is such a different different ball game this like is a, a different different field altogether and he was still like actively wrestling until like right before Thunder started so like he kind of as a wrestler had it not been for injury would probably still be wrestling during this era, era of Nitro and Thunder I don't know what that looks like like if you look at ninety three compared to now, that's like that's like what six years. Like it's yeah. not that big a period when you think about it, and it's it's crazy to see yeah. the contrast between sure. you know I think it was Rick Rude at the time WCW heavyweight champion to what we're getting now is like nearly but every like, second week there's a different champion. Yeah. And even in terms of wackiness, like you could throw a stone backwards in time and hit the Dungeon of Doom. That's how like recently that was. Uh, oh, it's like they have gone through like in less in the decade of the nineties. They have gone through about three to four different versions of this company uh, and will go through another distinct period within a couple of months. Um, But yeah, it's like, I feel like sometimes they do these cold opens and they do like a 
a recap of Nitro and it's good because it sets the stakes and let you know exactly what's going on. This felt like just a little bit too chaotic for me where like I didn't really I I'm still not straight on what exactly the match was that we were having a look at. He was defending the title in some sort of a way. Um it, it's, I think it's, it's it's very it's 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 very chaotic. Even just to, to, to try and grasp what's going on, the situation with Tori leaving with him, like you know who the heels, who the faces are. It's not the whole the storyline itself is just yeah. very confusing. It's I, not they're not exactly traditional hate faces and heels yeah. in, in this particular era. Because we still got Nash with the book. I imagine the entire conversation about like somebody probably asked like, but why would Tori go with you? And he just kind of looks at himself and goes. Yeah, 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 and you <laughs> oh, know what? Like, and, and fair and enough. Is, is, we will get to more periods of Nash just loving himself as things yeah, go yeah. on in this particular yeah. episode, and it's just fascinating to see what. Like, I think he made a very good point two weeks ago with uh, with Aaron when when he doesn't give a shit, he's at his best. But when yeah. he tries to take an interest and tries to make himself look cool and the top guy, it's just I don't know. He's trying too hard a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think we, we'll talk about the running segment he has on this show, but he's definitely trying to come off as oh, cool on it. And that's segment. not that's not the enjoyable part segment. of these segments. We'll talk about his... Are we uh, going to dissect that scene by scene as they uh, go, or are we going to have one uh, big recap at the Oh, end? no, we'll go. We'll, we'll drip feed it, because it's um, <laughs> not from Nash, but there's somebody else that's like it's a career-making acting performance by them. But uh, Well, he did we'll get, get hired by Sam Raimi, so... This is <laughs> true. Of, and couple, do you know yeah, what? Like, yeah, that but, movie came out, what, like, 2002? So, you know, it was probably casting in 99 that's it S- Sam Raimi might have been like, you know what? I'm just going to throw on TBS this evening while I'm <laughs> uh, looking over my screenplay like, who's this magnetic presence I've been looking for a bone saw type um, <laughs> so we go this goes straight into a break so that's our whole first segment thrown away on a recap that we didn't really understand we come ah, back from WCW. the break <laughs> and, uh, and yeah again like WCW timing Page and Canyon are already in the ring um, and look, sometimes I love the already in ring when it's going to lead like straight to a match with no talk. And like, so the um, was it Claudio and Phoenix the other week on, on yes. Dynamite? Like where we what just open the show. Comparison. Just open the show, ring introductions, bell ring, let's go. Brilliant. Like that, that gives a sense of urgency to shit like this. When DDP and Canyon are already in the ring and are about to cut a promo, it smacks of, we did not time out this show. Uh, yeah. Oh, I will not. No, not one hear it. No. We're two segments in and we're already running long. That's incredible, especially when the first segment was a pre-tape. What, what do you make of DDP's attire pre-match? I, look. Considering <laughs> considering his age and his old profession of like being a bouncer in what I have to imagine are hilariously tacky nightclubs from any number of eighties gangster flicks, he dresses exactly <laughs> like a man like that would dress. That's that's what I'll say. What did you think of it? Oh, I thought you looked, I thought you just finished a marathon. You know when the, the, these guys are running thirty eight miles, or you know, and they're, they're, they've got someone just there to throw some tin foil over them. He just yeah. looked like this. This There's, isn't something you'd wear to make yourself look cool and presentable. It's not this that, era. A phrase that I would use to describe uh, Page quite often during this period is crispy, because mm. if you if you look at the man's skin, it looks like he spent because this is at the height of tanning beds. Uh, that would explain is, the foil, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, the foil. Yeah, extra like, the color, you know. <laughs> he's like a fucking jack of potatoes. What he is actually. Now that I think, <laughs> what about a it. jack of potato. He's because, over. 
because if you look at his skin, like it's got the like the sunspots and the kind of like dry redness of somebody that like fell asleep in the sunbed and was in it for an hour too long. Um, I don't know if this was a like a cultural phenomenon outside of Ireland, but Joey, do you remember like in that late nineties, early two thousands period, where like a group of mas would get together and rent like a sunbed that would be in one of their houses? Yes, that was a, a staple in Pier Street where I'm from. Like, yeah. there was always a couple of, and they would like they'd be mas that weren't exactly on the cusp of beauty to begin with. Yeah, <laughs> they had hard lives in the sense of they'd already be smoking twenty silk of purple already a day. Yeah, they'd be definitely on the on the beer at least three or four nights a week like you know yeah. and they did they'd, they'd have dowry that like that weathered look on their face and they thought yeah. well you know what let's get some sun and you know <laughs> that's yeah, gonna yeah. make things you know much yeah. better for my skin which yeah. it didn't yeah you're, you're hanging a poster over a crack in the plaster at that stage <laughs> aren't you? um but yeah that's that's what i think of like now, now i'm thinking jack of potato but what i have been thinking about page lately is just like crispy from from a sunbed but he, um, he makes it work to be fair to him yeah and look, still, like, you know, he's he's quite, like, he's, what, in his late 60s now, is he? Mid to late 60s? Oh, he looks he looks great for his age. Like, for his age, he still looks great, which, considering the amount of, like, abuse he must have been giving his skin during this period is, is quite phenomenal for the guy. That I tell you, that DDP yoga, it, it works miracles. I did like some of his lines as well, to be fair to him. Like, you oh. know, coupon clipping. Like, you, you had to work in yeah. coupon clipping into a, a, you know, I, a hateful I, promo. I like it. I've got these. So I've got two lines from him I've written down. It's like, you love me, you hate me, but you'll never forget me. Pretty good. good. And then the one you were uh, alluding to there. He calls them, and I quote, Copenhagen dipping, coupon clipping, draft beer drinking rednecks. He's great. I just think that's a very, and he delivers it very flawlessly as well. I think yeah. anyone could say that and make it just sound shit, but he just delivers it so well and so yeah. like as you say, crisp. Yeah, and good, yeah. No, no, he's just. I just there's something about this guy. This is likable. You can see even when he's he's face or heel. I don't know. I always warm to the guy. Yeah, no, I lo- I love him, and I think he's a guy that. I think he got an awful lot of stick in the 2000s and the 2010s when people would be doing shoot interviews and talking about how he liked to lay out his matches move for move. And I'm like, I don't care how you make the sandwich. Once the sandwich is delicious when yes. I'm eating it, I don't care. I, I mean, I guess within reason. Um, <laughs> well, it depends. Once someone's like at least washing their hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hands, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't really work in this analogy. Yeah. Like, the guy, like, let's be honest, this guy, he started very late in his career compared to yeah. other guys you know and you've got to commend this guy for having the confidence to start as early especially when guys were retiring like in 35 36 in some cases at you know in the professional wrestling this yeah. guy took a chance he got himself over and he's so likable i just think he's just a, mm-hmm. a, he's the kind of guy working class here that you kind of want to root for yeah and a damn near the top of my list um for people that were done dirty by wwe Oh, you know. oh God, Jesus Christ! Let's not talk about the stalker yeah. angle, please. Yeah, like, that like day this, will this, come. Where this I have guy to. is a natural face. There's no doubt. Some people yeah. just like don't get me wrong. You can still turn people heel in the right, but these this circumstances to having him as a stalker for the Undertaker's yeah. wife, like what the? There's like, the more time goes on with me and Lee, and the more people start listening to this show, and I, we've had already. Now, bear in mind, we're only about halfway through the timeline run of the podcast, but there's already people concerned about. Are we just going to stop podcasting when Thunder ends? Um, and the more people that are asking that, the more people are listening, the more I'm like, I'm saying to Lee, is like, we're going to have to do the fucking invasion, aren't we? 
Oh yeah. What like? It's the natural progression. Like you have to see where WCW went to die. God. And you'll probably have to go to the NWO invasion too. Oh god. Yeah. Anyway. Dull times. uh, Dull times, my friend. Yeah. So young parents Saturn comes out for our first match, which is DDP with Canyon versus Perry Saturn. Um, Paige kind of steamrolls him at the bell. And uh, we are maybe five seconds into this match before Tanae and Larry start right into Hummer talk. Yes. Uh, as somebody, and of course, yeah. they, they, they also say there's like, this. I think, I think Larry says, there's folks, there's hundreds, thousands of people. They're wearing stin masks in the area. I can't see one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, there, and the thing is, there have been in the past, but this yes. is this is not the week to be doing that bit. <laughs> Um, what do you think, like, as somebody who's kind of, um, you know, you've been listening to the podcast, but you weren't, as you said, like a, a WCW guy necessarily at the time, coming back to this, like, what has been known infamously as the Hummer angle, like, is it the horse shit you had always worried it would be? No, it is and it isn't, I suppose, but... The- it's one of those things that's infamous. Obviously, without even watching the show back then, like you could read this and you know, think people aren't too happy. Like I'd read Power Slam magazines, and I think it was, oh, Manners Matt Musings. They would have a like they had a piece on it one week where how basically horseshit it was. But mm. like, it would have been good if they actually just had any sort of forward planning, you know, to it. Yeah. Had like the the obviously this is something they want to do, but they had no idea where it was going to go. And if they just had somewhere that they wanted to go, it would have put up produce something much more yeah. you know favorable and much more pleasurable yeah it's just it's it is what it is once they didn't have carmen electra in the bag anymore it was aimless after that um <sighs> but I, I think it's one of those things where my big grievance with it watching it now because one like i'm trying to take myself out of the fact that i know it goes nowhere satisfying ultimately that it's just a bunch of this you know forcing it down your throat and it's just one of those wcw things that just fizzes out rather than has this incredible conclusion but like, that's um, the thing it was one of those things that like you think right it's been built up they've they've, they've made it a big deal themselves by mm-hmm. mentioning like this is a, a ddp versus Saturn match and they're talking homer 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 yeah. like if you don't know really where it's gonna go let's like let's not present yeah. it to let's, be as big a deal as you should be yeah let, let it cook in the background until you figure it out or something yeah. or but, just let it die quietly what I was going to say was, uh, like, even taking that, the fact that we have that ability to know where it's going from 2023, um, the thing that I'm annoyed about watching it is that the crowds are actively telling them they don't care. Yeah. You know, like, and they're, it reminds me, like, and it's quite harsh because in terms of, like, historical significance, it's not nearly on the level of the Homer thing. But. Okay the few weeks of the four pillars stuff in AEW at the start of this pay-per-view cycle where the crowds were telling them we don't want this and they just kept doing it now they are pivoting a bit so like mm-hmm. they are listening way more than WCW did but the first couple of weeks very much felt like that where the crowd are telling you we don't care we don't want to see this and you are just trying to tell them no you do you are interested in this and they ain't buying it and that's what this I've noticed very much that a lot of the Hummer talk has shifted to commentary rather than people on live mics in the arena talking about it because they I, I think they know the reaction it's going to get if they start talking about it again just interesting that, that tells you exactly what, if you know it's going to get shit on by the live audience or ignored maybe yeah. it's not the best idea to keep going but like that's a, you have to listen to your audience and I think 
especially when you're WCW in this area. Like, and even, that's, again, they're not the only company guilty to this. Like, it's AAW sometimes, WWE 100%, especially in yeah. modern era. WWE like, is you, the, it's the house style to tell you yeah. this is important until yeah. you just go, okay, fine. This is what you like. This is, you're, just, you're gonna like this. You don't. You don't like this thing. You actually like. No, you like no. this thing, and like the Hummer was all, like. I, I'm personally never being like even back then. Like I was never a huge fan of these kind of angles. Like even the the who who knocked uh, who knocked over Steve Austin. You know the yeah. whole investigation one. Like, like, it was always one of the things that like, we'll kick this count down the road and see where it lands. And then eventually when it lands with Rikishi, like no one gives a shit. Like you know what? No yeah. no one gave it a shit about Rikishi, and like it was I, never gonna be that thing to yeah. make him a star. I, There's other ways to make this guy. Star. People were kind of like, right, okay, but it just turns out it was Triple H. It was Triple H all along that did it. It's like, okay, that's the one that we will give you that. If it was it that, makes that sense. makes sense. We'll go with that. But then, like, it was just such a wet fart, the Rikishi stuff, and then the I did it for the rock. And then it was ultimately like they panicked and they're like, uh, but it was orchestrated by Triple H. Just, yeah. Well, just, there's one thing, there's one thing Rich from Voices Wrestling told me when, when he first joined. He was always like, Predictability isn't a bad thing in wrestling. No, it, it, can, it can build things. It's it's logical. It's pragmatic. And like sometimes trying to be so unpredictable, like like WWE have been this year, but trying to oh you thought Cody was running winning. Oh, hold on a second. It like you sometimes the the, the right answer is the predictable and the most logical one. It's not necessary yeah. to swerve, you know. And yeah, like the, like the Rikishi thing, for example, the swerve for the sake of a swerve. Hmm. The best quote unquote swerves are the ones that as soon as they happen. You're shocked, but then absolutely makes sense yes. as soon as you start thinking about it. Like a, a great example of that would have been the turn of ECW wrestlers in WWE. Do you remember, like when you had, like, I think it was Kane oh, and Jericho, the, the, and the, you had Bubba Ray come down the ring, you had Taz come down the ring, and I was thinking, oh, here we go, the WWF guys, and that was brilliant. The infamous Raw where they hot shot at about eighteen months worth of angles in two hours. I still loved it. Yeah, oh look, that very easily pleased. The the moment in between the turn and the moments. Stephanie McMahon comes out is great. Yes. You know, like the 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 Paul screaming, feel this moment for the rest of your life. That stuff is great. Yes. Don't don't you know McMahon's are the stars though? That's what yeah. people come to see. Like you don't know, remember yeah. WrestleMania two thousand? It was the McMahon's that did that, not the Rock and Triple H and others. Oh god. Oh god. Well, back to this match. <laughs> um. So after the Sting mask stuff. Um, the guys get are back in the ring and, and Paige reverses a whip but Saturn uses the momentum to drop kick Canyon off the apron Saturn follows Canyon out but Paige surprises them with a plancha heat now as Paige distracts the ref to let Canyon get a few licks in um, I gotta say um, during this whole Jersey triad period as well as like I'm kind of bummed when it's it seems to be mostly Bam Bam as the, the man on the outside when they do when the three of them are out there because one because I'm I love Bauer and I, I want to see him wrestle but also because even though he's a great wrestler the one who is the 10 out of 10 goof at ringside that is like has the characteristics best suited to a heel manager is Canyon yes by a mile he is like just an unbelievable talent the top guy this yeah. guy was always a great undercard talent he was so underrated he had these mannerisms this presence about him that just you could you, you could easily believe he would be this kind of you know goofy aloof kind of character in here yeah. where like you say bam bam he's he, he that wasn't his stick that wasn't his bike yeah. that's not his strengths he should just be killing dudes uh if there's one 
I one dumb angle from the 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 the, the final run of WCW. I can't wait for it's positively Canyon. I want to yes. see some Canyon cutters. I'm so excited for when that happens because uh, you talk about like again a, a guy in the wrestling's long proud tradition of like they gave him shit and he turned it into gold. Even even in the invasion, if you eventually make it that far, you have like he was the MVP of the the, the alliance. So he. This is shit. He got. He, was, he probably came up with this on the fly himself just to give himself something to do. And before you know it, he's getting reactions. He's getting over. Like, and then he gets creamed by steel chair. Um. So sidewalk slam from Page as Larry then opines on commentary that Flair and Piper have lost it. Good to see he's finally up to date with the program. Um, <laughs> he says they're going to stack the deck against the babyface at the pay per view. More on that later. Uh, through a break, uh, where we were apparently. Uh, treated to not the last reference on this show to uh, Megadeth as during the ads a new Megadeth track from Universal Soldier uh, played we're going to be reviewing that movie when it comes out have have you seen the movie? I have only seen the clip that they showed on Nitro for about four months of Goldberg spearing into an empty elevator I watched it at the time I watched it way back when and I I was like I loved the first movie with with Dolph Lundgren and Jean-Claude and I just thought this is an epic film. I was like, yeah, now do you have a sequel to it? Brilliant. And I didn't really grasp the concepts as a, as a 14-year-old of what a direct-to-DVD yeah. <laughs> film was. And God, that was a, wasn't was really a patch on the original. No. Uh, yes, I eagerly await sitting down for my first screening of that. Uh, standing sidekick gives Saturn an opening. Roll up for two. Page with a sit-out powerbomb for two. Cutter attempt, but Saturn shoves him into the ref. Canyon in, and he wraps the title belt around the buckle. Which, again, that Canyon, like, just doing things slightly differently than you usually see. Seeing him wrapping it around the top turnbuckle. Uh, Saturn goes for the 10 punch, but Canyon obviously has rigged the turnbuckle. So he just picks him up and drops him face first on the belt. I love that bit. That was a great spot. It was really clever. Really inventive way. I I can't remember ever seeing that particular spot in anything off the top of my head. So I thought, listen, once it's unique, it works. Every other time, it's the guy will take the padding off the turnbuckle and he'll do the drop onto his face on the exposed turnbuckle. That's, that's That's just how that's done. So, like, yeah, I absolutely appreciate him doing that. So... Once he's he's pancaked, Canyon drags him under Page. Kick out. Canyon is livid. Starts arguing with the referee. While this is happening, Benoit materializes in the ring out of fucking nowhere. Hits the diving headbutt on Page and Saturn wins. Uh, upon the bell, big suicide dive by Benoit. But Bigelow comes out uh, in his tearaway stripper pants. Oh man, I, I, I had a pair of those when I was, I don't know if you were part of the 96 to 99 tearaway crowd, but I was yeah. all in with the Adidas tearaway, man. Yeah, don't yeah. knock no, them, don't them. knock them. I had them. Uh, as the segment ends, Tanae is teasing the debut of the No Limit Soldiers later, later tonight and two, kind of two, world title bouts. What did you think of this one? I enjoyed it for what it was. Like, it was probably, again, for a Thunder match, it was fine. I yeah. kind of would have liked to go a bit longer. Like, yeah. like I, I'm a big Perry Farrer fan. Like, when he is given a chance to display his talents, yeah, this guy is entertaining. Canyon made this uh, thoroughly as an interference guy, made this really well. And then even Benoit, like, he, like, he doesn't do much wrong until, the, obviously, the unpleasantness in you know, 2008. But in the ring, this guy is, is phenomenal. He hits everything for me. Like, you know, he's just so crispy, so clean. Hmm. It's why like there's nothing necessarily wrong with this except for the fact that like it's kind of short. Yeah, yeah. All all participants in the match highly skilled. There's definitely 
as you said, because it's so short, there's definitely more in the tank. We've seen these guys have longer matches and better matches. Um, but absolutely satisfactory morsel of what they're capable of doing for an opener on a TV show. Um, our next match was not that. No. This was uh, the No Limit Soldiers, the team of BA, Brad Armstrong, and Swole with Conan and Rey Mysterio Jr. versus, and I think this is maybe why Lee wasn't around this week, dis- the returning <laughs> disorderly conduct. Mean Mike, Tough Tom, Salty Sally, the gang's all here. Oh, God. Uh, my first like, note for this match, Joey, said, fuck me, these lads are back. Oh, I love these guys. They're so bad. They're good. Like, I just love that these guys, obviously, to try and separate themselves from the crowd and WCW have the worst attire and haircuts known to man. Mm. Like, even their names, they don't make any effort. But it was like, me and, me and Mike, Tough Tom. It was like, come on. This is like the saddest part. Them, they looked at the Midnight part. Express and probably uh, probably the new Midnight Express and seeing bombastic Bart and bodacious Bart and think, ah, how can we copy this and make it worse? The saddest part is they probably took longer than be, than they'd be willing to admit <laughs> scope of those names. <laughs> they don't look like the smartest guys. Yeah, I also want to uh, make it head canon that longtime Irish wrestling stalwart Duncan Disorderly took his name as a as a tribute to his favorite tag team, Disorderly <laughs> Conduct, and oh. you'll not convince me otherwise. Well, at least he didn't take the you know, the, the, the entire homage. Thank God, because oh, I don't know what they're trying to. Wait, you know, you couldn't this. you couldn't wear that gear because you'd cover up his shitty prison tats. <laughs> <laughs> like. But they, like, I just think again, shitty prison tats. They're so bad. They're good. Yeah, yeah, that that is very true. Like, it's the one industry in which that kind of works as a positive. Um, today, once again, mentions Megadeth. So, the, the two, it's so They're over. Funny. They're stars of the show, man. It, it is so funny that the two things where it's like, you're going to need to want to tune into Nitro this week. Hey, Megadeth are playing, and they're playing new song from, uh, from Universal Soldier. And then almost as a postscript, like, oh, yeah, Bret Hart's back. Oh, yeah. I was like, it's, sorry. Back for months. Like, oh, it's only Bret Hart. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, yeah. Like how how far has he fallen since nineteen ninety seven? Because this is his big, I I believe. Like because again, this is like maybe his third return in the year he's been there, um, and I I think this is the one where it's his return from his fake quitting. It's which should be a bigger deal. <laughs> like everything about Brahart at this particular time, like you know, it should have been a bigger deal. How, you were how, how you, you were not, gift wrapped. How can you not the, know how to use this guy? You were gift wrapped the WWF champion, and you fucked it from day one. You fucked it. Oh, like I'm saying. having that guy win the WCW title on his first Nitro. You, you know, make him. He's a ready-made star. Ready-made star. They would never deliberately build to a pay-per-view. It's pay-per-views build to Nitro in this company. So I'm not gonna like do my booking thing, which would be build him up for the first pay-per-view. I'm gonna do what WCW should have done, knowing their booking tropes, and just have him win the belt unannounced on Nitro. <laughs> because like even though like I'm against them doing unannounced shit on Nitros, you wanna talk about being the biggest news story in wrestling for weeks. It's like the WWF champion just went across and became the champion of the other company. But he's lost so much steam at this stage. Like this yeah, is yeah. nineteen ninety nine. Like I was gonna he, say you couldn't do it now, but they are no. about to do it. They are going <laughs> to put the world title on him in relatively short order. So look forward to that, everybody. Oh man, he's just like this at the time would have been the equivalent of CM Punk coming to, you know, AEW initially. Like this 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 guy had this kind of I don't know if any of the listeners really remember how hot Bret Hart was at this particular time. He was just Bret was a household name. 
he, everyone knew who Bret Hart was. Like, yeah. like, and like, I, I don't know. WWF obviously made him look like such a star, even in ninety six, and you know when he went off after like WrestleMania. Like the fact that he was still on television every weekend, showing a lonesome dove. Like you know, this guy is, this guy's the guy. He's always going to be the guy, and he was. Like he had so much fuel coming from the end of Montreal. There's one thing that like they could have capitalized on was this, and they could have propelled and them to so much greatness. Yet nothing. And for them as well, like handling him well would have opened up Canada to them as a market that they didn't really like. I I feel like after the we've been talking a lot um, since All In tickets went on sale about how WCW never really utilized their popularity in Europe when they did come over here they sold like gangbusters but they never booked big enough buildings long enough tours or big enough shows and they were still doing huge numbers but the same is true of Canada where like during this whole run so far they've had like god we covered the one the one Toronto Nitro they did and that's about it like none of these pay-per-views are going up north of the border they wouldn't really funnily enough like the Canadian wrestler that they would push huge over the next year is probably Storm. Storm. Yeah. yeah. And like Canada being part of his gimmick as well whereas like you have like honest to god Canadian royalty in Bret Hart coming in. He was loved. You don't underestimate. Like he was like Jack Charlton if yeah. in the Irish equivalent. Like he could do no wrong. Everything he did he, everything he did was, was, was correct. Everything that he said was wrong was going to be wrong. This guy he could walk on water in Canada and you have this guy. He's just book Calgary, book Edmonton, book yeah. anywhere north of the border, and he will he will either come close to selling that building out. And he's not like so you know like an, another guy that came over for you know after the same fallout like so Bulldog comes over. Bulldog is washed. He's done. You know, he is absolutely done. Which is funny because he'd have a WCW run and then another WWF run. Even though I'm already saying he's watched, but that's can you even, can you even call that a WWF run? Yeah. God, yeah. man, he, he he had about two or three matches that I can really remember. I don't know what else he did. Where's my title shot? Yeah, um, but like Brett, like you said, like Brett was full of piss and vinegar, and he was still physically capable for like until the end of '99, obviously. And you had ready-made stories. You could have him against so many big guys. Whether straight away, you could have him with Scott Hall and Nash straight away because they are connected yeah. to his mortal enemy from WWF. That's it's, it's a no-brainer. Even just to set things off, you'd have big match with Hogan, who this guy obviously he had a lot of bad blood from 1993. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Like, if you could, if you get both of them to agree to do business, you could. But like, that's, yeah, that's true. Famously, a difficult match to get going. Hogan not doing business. I won't hear of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going. I feel like inserting the Hikaru Shida. That's not going to work for me, brother. Here, <laughs> this stage, tremendous moment that was. Um, so I guess we got to talk about this match now, where <sighs> the the I think the foreboding sign that the two best wrestlers in this segment are both managing. Uh, <laughs> These guys are like I, 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 if you watch this show, like obviously you, you can tell by the entrance who's coming down the ring, but you get Rey Mysterio, we get Conan delivering getting these crowd hyped up and then they just fuck off and they oh you've got brad armstrong and swole here like yeah. it's, it's it's such a downgrade and it's such a like a brad armstrong's tenure on our podcast has been characterized by like there's nothing physically wrong with this guy in the ring he's good he's, he's a good hand but he's completely miscast here yeah yeah um i did laugh at Con- uh, so conan does a shtick on the mic but this is like 
the gimmick Rey Mysterio has in promos now is to do shout-outs. Um, and it's usually to various record labels. But on this show, and this is where Garrett Kidney's beeper goes off, he shouts out his boy, Dominic. Oh, I heard that. Two years old yeah. he would have been at the time, too. I'll tell you, long-term storytelling. Long-term <sighs> storytelling. Um, the Hootie Who is over in Lafayette. I'll give them that. Um so the match just starts off with disorderly conduct feeding and bumping for swole and they clearly within three seconds of this match starting like right they don't trust swole to do anything and i'm not saying that's wrong if you could compare swole to anyone modern day who would you who would you compare him to like i look at him and think he's like a more athletic smaller version of omos i was gonna say omos I was going to say, yeah, short Omos or short one in a billion sat in him But he, he can move. You can see him. Yeah. He has athleticism in there. He just doesn't yeah. know how to work. He's just... Yeah. He's, uh, he's rough on roller skates. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, he actually... He can move, but he's so up in his head about, like what you're supposed to do in wrestling that he's just like he's got nothing and they don't trust him to do anything like he's just doing basic rips locks and clotheslines uh, and the, the this is the hardest Tanay and Larry work all night is trying to put over this guy's athletic credentials like his, his college football days and stuff like that uh, and then as soon as actual wrestling has to start happening BA comes in to do it um, Tough Tom takes uh, an awkward looking bump to the floor uh, I can't remember what expression he must have pulled, but I wrote Brad Armstrong looks like a fifty-year-old men's rights activist. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fair comparison. Is it the camo and the flat cap? I think is what really does it. Um, so I, I, I would look at him. He definitely wouldn't look at a place at like a capital riot at all. Would he? No, no. God bless him. Which is funny considering you know who his brother is. Um, <laughs> we'll say no more. Uh, oh, well, Arm- we, we, we will have to say more about his uh, brother, he, unfortunately, he, yes, as the show goes he, on. <laughs> he will make us say more. So, Brad Armstrong stuff, again, it's like we said, his stuff looks good, but it's a shame he has, like, the like the, the charisma of a wet brick. You he know? tries. I, like, I don't mind a guy when he tries, but, like, like the old Paul Heyman adage is, like, you know, you know, you know hide, the, hide the weaknesses, you know, accentuate the positives. Like, and... This guy is completely not in this particular role. This isn't going to yeah. do him any favors. This is, he, like, and, and to be fair, he's never, he, he's, he's never going to do much. To be fair, yeah. in this, in this roster compared to the other stars he, and the other potential that's there, he's in that category with like a, you know, a Mike Enos or people like that. Where like physically speaking, Brock Anderson, there's nothing mechanically wrong with this guy necessarily. He's not spectacular, but he's not awful. But there's just not enough to do anything interesting with. Yeah, he's um, just he's just he's just a face, isn't he? He's just he's just yeah, there. He's just a dude. Making he doesn't numbers. suck, but he doesn't inspire. No. Uh, top rope clothesline attempt by disorderly conduct backfires, and we get a hot tag. Swole just doing basic punches and scoop slams. I did howl at him attempting a pin off a scoop slam. Uh, one jobber goes flying over the ropes. The other one into the corner runs into a swole palm strike and the No Limit Soldiers win. I did not expect that to be his finishing move. It's, it's not just the palm strike, it's how he, it's how he executes it. He tries yeah, to be Jackie Chan-esque and yeah. give it some sort of, you know, karate-like grace yeah. and it's just like this doesn't suit you at all. <laughs> but he kind of just catches him in the throat rather than the face as well, which is, which is funny to me. Um, uh. Larry Larry I don't know what this guy was smoking tonight. This re- refers to the palm strike as a Greco-Roman move that's hard to block. 
There well, you go. So that was better. To be fair, first it, looked, it looked like it was hard to block. To be fair, <laughs> yeah. Block tried to block it with his throat to no success. Uh, our <sighs> next singles match: uh, Eddie Guerrero versus La Parca. Uh, the big man has a new jacket for this one. Um, it's a contrast of styles in terms of like their personalities at this time because you have La Parca coming out, air guitar in the chairs, doing his little dances. He's happy to be here. He's got a leather jacket. And then Eddie comes out with that Hall of Fame scowl. Oh, he's so intense. I fucking yeah. love how intense he is. Like, like uh, you, you, we talked earlier about the, the Montreal match between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, for example. I know we just mentioned it briefly, but these two worked before the unpleasantness. They worked like they hated each other, but they kept it professional, you know, to that point. And that's what Eddie Guerrero brings. He makes it look like he hates this person. He's in the ring. He's so intense. He's so brooding and... Man, he you, you you believe this guy actually despises his opponent. What do you think about this um this kind of like mini story arc that Eddie's going on as like the LWO hunter? Because like I like the idea of the story because he's a vindictive heel, but he's also right. They did turn his back on him. But I feel like they're not making it like so he's telling a great story and they're putting him against the right people to tell that story. But I don't feel like WCW is making this as big a deal as it should be. Like, this guy is one by one taking out these fuckers. I think that sometimes the best heels can be the ones who are genuinely wronged. Like, if you remember, yeah. again, to touch on Bret Hart again, let's go back there. Like, when he lost to Shawn Michaels in WrestleMania 12, like, he felt he was hard done by. He already had 16 minutes in there. He, he, he had him dead to rights in the sharpshooter till the time round. And then he was screwed over in his own head, even though. It was probably fair and square the way Gorilla Monsoon, you know, got him back into the, the ring, and he had a genuine gripe. He genuine acts to acts to you know to, to grind, and Eddie Guerrero's in a similar position here. He has that particular. He he he's right. He's justified, and he yeah. is allowed to be a bit of a prick because you know why should he suffer anymore? And that's what makes this character so interesting. Mm. Uh, so he starts the match by like aggressively beating on La Parca. Uh, Parker does one one of my favorite things he does, which is the like it's almost like he's trying to do the um, the poetry in motion into the corner, but like he just eats turnbuckle and goes arse over tea kettle, um, and then he is speaking of turnbuckle, he eats a nasty amount of turnbuckle off a drop toe hold, like he, he does, does not put up his hands at all. Um, oh. Grabs him, Eddie grabs him by the mask, which is like his new thing that he did started doing against psychosis, where he like he grabs a guy by the mask and drags him, except this time. He fucking grabs Levarca by the mask and does like lawn bowling and just hoofs him out of the ring onto the floor, follows with a big dive. Um, Parker whipped into the railings. He does kind of like a wobble that almost looked like his dance. And then I completely cracked up at Eddie just doing the mocking Leparka dance in front of him. Um, so good. He, he then shouts that Parker's a disgrace, which I loved. Just reminded me of like the heyday of Bill and the boys on uh, on on RT soccer college. You got eyes oh, of disgrace. <laughs> um, God, I miss those days. Damien uh, Duff and you know I can't remember who else is on the, the panel these days, but like yeah, the days the of Bill and and Eamon yeah. just have at loggerheads was great. God, there's I miss Eamon Dunphy, and that sounds so weird because he's terrible. <laughs> yeah, so like how do we describe it, Joey? Like because it's like so most sports commentary is like somewhere between bad and inoffensive like inoffensive is about as good as it gets on most sports commentary i watch like whether it's on soccer or whether it's um nfl 
that that's kind of the analysis you're getting is either very middle of the road, not going to offend anybody, or it's just bad because people are trying to like <laughs> out hot take each other. Um, there was a concerted like a, like a twenty plus year period on Irish TV where the soccer pundits were four old men who did not give a shit, and if something was bad, they would tell you at length how bad it was and oh, it was yeah. compelling television that's it you had honesty you had these it was basically watching four guys in a pub just have an argument about oh, alcohol well maybe Eamon had a bit of alcohol maybe yeah. a little bit more but these guys were this did they, they especially with Eamon he was so contrarian if if yeah. the other three guys would say it's black this guy was confirmably believe it's white and like yeah. they were so honest sometimes and brutal and they were unforgiving in their like their, their their arguments with each other and I'll, it was so it was compelling television rather than the actual match itself I'll never forget Eamon Dunphy's absolute burial of John Hartson who I think was at Norwich at the time I don't think he was at Celtic where I, I can't remember how much money it was he cost but basically he had a shit one and Eamon Dunphy used the telestrator to draw a circle around the bottom half of John Hartson's body and to say out loud in the studio, live television, that isn't the arse of a £7 million player, <laughs> or however much it was. Uh, oh, man. I, <laughs> I miss like, Eamon. I do. I, I remember his meltdown with Rod Little. That's the oh, pinnacle. So Rod Little was a journalist. Who, was he? Well, yeah, he even painted him as someone else. <laughs> allegedly. So Rod Little was this journalist, and there was an, an incident... Uh, at a World Cup in 2002 for no soccer uh, for people who aren't soccer fans where Roy Keane our captain and arguably I would say inarguably arguably the greatest player to ever pull on an Ireland shirt and he we will not legislate it because it is uh, it has been quite some amount of years but he went home from the World Cup he took his ball he went home and this nearly caused a fucking civil war in Ireland (laughs) it was oh my god it was so tense but there was an extended near mental breakdown by Eamon Dunphy on live television, who was a good friend of Keane's and the ghostwriter of his autobiography. Now, that was I, about I, to I, If I could correct you, Dave, I think this the meltdown actually happened when he left Man United, wasn't it? Oh, was it? Oh, was I think it? So. Oh, no, yes. Sorry, the, the when he left the World Cup, that was the one where he He's had a few Niall meltdowns, be fair, poor Roy. He called Niall Quinn a creep during that one. Yes. But yeah, it was when he left because he did the MUTV interview where he he's a bully and he stood United up to bullies. Yeah, he's a bully and he stood up to bullies. And then um, Bill, O'Her- uh, Bill O'Hurdy, the, the kind of uh, the l- lovely granddad host of the show would be like, uh, he's he's always devil's advocate. And he goes, no, but, but Eamon, Rod Little said. And he said, Rod he Little. loses it. I'll tell you who Rod Little is. He ran away and left his wife for a young one. <laughs> That's so great. And then you just, you just hear Bill go, ah, Eamon. <laughs> uh, and then it became uh, it was parlayed into a very uh, successful t-shirt that I bought from uh, Twitter bad boy pray for Patrick which is the famous Sonic Youth album cover except it says Rod Little he ran away and left his wife for a young one I'll never I didn't at the time I didn't even know who Rod Little was and now I'll never forget him yeah especially now the more I learn about Rod Little being like a horrendously creepy awful man I'm just like hell yeah Amo well done he he Um, tells it like it is poor Eamon and the thing is he did all that the whole speech he had to be under the influence of something oh 100% and 
Oh man! I, I, the, I, I, the thing is about Eamon, he was he was Roy Keane's uh, ghost rider, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there was a great moment as well where uh, Graham Sunas, a former player and manager, said to him, "Was like uh, Eamon, who did you ever manage during a disagreement?" And Eamon says, "I managed to stay alive for sixty-three and a half years." <laughs> yes. <maybe." laughs> oh, I used to love Eamon Duffy though. He was sometimes he'd such a lick arse though to the rest of them. He'd be like, yeah. you "No, know, like you look around, like, they're great players like Pele, Maradona." Giles, Sunis, and they just happened to be sitting beside him. Yeah. Well done, Eamon, well done. That, was that during his Ronaldo's a cod. He's like, he's, he's a con man. He's a cod. He's, just, he, he, he was, I think he said he was past it, I think, in, nine, in 2010. I think he, he wasn't, he wasn't uh, past it there at all now. Look, no. if, if you want to treat yourself and you've, you've never heard of the man, like, go to YouTube and look up, like, a best of Eamon Dunphy. He's a national treasure. Yeah, for the wrong reasons <laughs> there's a particular one where he does an entire character assassination of a man who is going for the Ireland manager's job named Terry Venables that is a multi-part video during which Eamon produces a dossier of information <laughs> on how crooked the man was, was he was brilliant I, and the thing is he just he was a loose cannon you never knew what he was going to say which way he was so unpredictable just you never a knew promo. Oh yeah, he could cut a promo, and he the thing is, he never something. really played at a top level either. He played for like Millwall, I think, was yeah. the highest league he got to. Yeah. You know, it's just he was a he's a fascinating man. Yeah. Um. So uh, we back to get, wrestling. Yeah, back to wrestling. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, we get a commercial, and it's like this fever dream Nitro commercial that tells you not to miss a minute. Uh, back in the ring, and I'm no, is noting that for the first time in this show, there is a lot of empty chairs which does not bode well for uh, our next, I, I believe our next Thunder is a pre-tape that happens after this, this broadcast. So I'm not, I'm not looking forward to that one. Um, but I will say, uh, I'm kind of noticing with the way we've gone match, 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 that the lack of faff on this show has been quite refreshing. It is. Now, it's, a bit, it's a bit of content isn't necessarily better. Like, to be fair, like, this match itself is, is just it's perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of like you're, you're, you're on the road between fair and middling for a lot of this show. Now, I have made that reflection. I do know, like, the second hour of this show does have a lot more shite. Oh, well, it. it doesn't really have promos, per se, but it has a it nice B-movie. <laughs> Good Lord, it has segments. So Leparka misses, uh, or, na- sorry, Leparka nails Eddie with an insiguri. Nice long stretch of Parker wearing down Eddie, giving uh, Eddie giving him more than I would have necessarily expected um, in this match. Camel clutch variation where he's just clawing at his face, which is cool. Uh, Tanay wonders if this is to invoke Gory Guerrero to enrage Eddie, as the camel clutch was one of the moves Gory was known for using. Uh, Laparka pulls his hair, German suplex, then goes up top for a corkscrew moonsault, eats absolute shit. Eddie. The speed at which Eddie got up off the mat and hits, like, I could only describe the the tackle he does. Like, it's not a pounce. It's kind of like a mid-ring version of, like, Darby Allen's pinball tope suicida. That's a very good comparison. Yeah, it's good. Like, where he, he just bounces off the man. And, like, they just, again, the speed was frightening for a man as wide as Eddie. Um, and then, you know, Park is down, frog splash, win nice little match but I particularly I thought it finished strong 
It did. And we, with Eddie, I think the, the problem with watching Eddie in high side is that you know how high the bar is for him as, as he gets on in his career. You know what he can do. This guy is capable of so much more. This is this is decent. It's nothing bad. They're, dare I say, probably match of the night, which is a low bar, to be fair. But it's it's perfectly fine. There's perfectly acceptable wrestling. It's nothing too adventurous or too exciting, but it's it's enjoyable at the very least. Yeah. Um. Next up, it's Masterpiece Theatre time. Yes. We what I came talk- here for. We have talked around this, but this is the first segment of Macho Man. Oh, it's pure bollocks. And Kevin Nash. It is some of the most fabulously bad pre-tapes I've seen. The thing that I kept thinking, Joey, when we watched these throughout the rest of this show is this was the take they went with. Yes. <laughs> Macho Man is, a, is an absolute star, like, in so many ways inside the ring. He is a great promo guy. He is a fantastic improved promoter. He is not a good actor. No. No. Um, and neither, no. Is, neither is Nash trying to be cool. So it's like the perfect... Um, it's the perfect blend of like Nash is just bad, bad, but Match is like going for it. So he's like so far into bad. I loved it. So just 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 to be clear, just just so the viewers know and the listeners know, who's the face and who's the heel here? So in theory, the baby face is Kevin Nash, who has kidnapped the valet of Macho Man. Uh huh. Yes, so that's the correct. the face. Is a kidnapper. That's a good, good, good start. Good yes. platform. Yes. Yes. Okay, we've established that. But, yeah. And just to be clear, then he's he's then contacting a, a, a the kid, Macho Man with ransom demands <laughs> nearly. A kidnapper who, for a lot of these segments, is strongly implying that he has Gorgeous George in some form of servitude or perhaps sex trafficking. Oh, well, this is this is ninety nine. He's he's a pure yeah. face, pure face. Yeah, like yeah. This, it was a different time. Men could be men. Yes. Um, <laughs> men could be Harvey Weinstein. So. Macho is pacing in his hotel room in far too small of a t-shirt. Um, it's also very weird just to see Randy Savage in a normal t-shirt. That was kind of disconcerting. He, he um, was slowly transitioning into like you know just plain man Randy Savage at this stage. It, it was where I learned that Randy Savage has magical powers because Randy Savage was able to make his phone ring by shouting at it. <laughs> So oh, he picks it up, and without knowing, because no caller ID, no display on the phone, it's a, just a very simple old hotel phone with physical buttons on it, as as was the style at the time. Um, he picks up the phone and immediately answers it. Instead of, hello, or who is this, says, sexy, this you? And <laughs> He's expecting his call. Any other human being on Earth on the other end of that phone would be incredibly disconcerted by that as a way to start so, a phone j- call. Just to be clear, right? So... She was kidnapped on Monday. Yes. And this call takes place on Thursday. Yes. So he's been pacing perhaps for three days. Yeah. Now, I would love if the camera were to pan down and there was like a hole worn through the carpet. (laughs) Or there's like loads of like TV dinners strewn about the room because he's like, I can't leave. I can't leave. Just in case. Uh, I also, the thing about him waiting for the call is at no point, at least in the recap version we saw, was it made clear there would be any form of communication or negotiation taking place? He's just waiting I for a call that may never come. I didn't realize <laughs> until maybe three of these segments deep that they had Nash's belt. Did not know that. <laughs> did not know this either. Yeah, That's did not completely know that. new. 
Uh, this was not brought up until they have the hostage exchange later. Um, and yes, we will be getting to that. Um, so, just a phenomenal way to answer the phone. Nash is shirtless in bed, getting a massage from a blonde woman in a robe. Oh, he's great. see above the waist. He is definitely selling a sex line, right? Yeah, no, 100%. Like, yeah. you, could just, you could just mute him there and have some guy talking over him. Hey, oh, do you like hot, guys in your area? Hot singles in your area. <laughs> um, he tells Macho there's a phone booth that it'll... T- uh, he has 15 minutes to get to it. It's like six blocks away. Oh, he has and 30. Any changes at the 15? Yes, true. True, and true face fashion. In a line that fucking kills me, but it becomes... A, weirdly a bit of the continuity of this angle Randy says I'll be there but I don't know where I'm going <laughs> kind of like this kind of the storyline really yeah yeah this is the whole story the, the whole the whole thing tonight is that Randy Savage he manages to get there but he is utterly perplexed by fairly simple instructions from, from Kevin Nash <laughs> oh that's um, brilliant he is he's, he's absolutely playing a blinder here so Nash says, if I, don't, if I don't see you, the deal's off. At which point I'm like, what deal? No yeah. one mentioned a deal. It's just, again, he's supposed to be the, the, the face he's bartering for like a, a, a world title for like a, a human. You know, it's it's not then, exactly top face stuff. Like, and the whole time I was also looking at Nash and thinking, he's like Mr. Burns in his bed, you know, with his little phone, you know, when he's waiting for, uh, for Homer to call. His <laughs> around the cord. Yeah, he's adorable. He's calling the Corey hotline, is what he's doing. Um, <laughs> no, Words that love, rhyme at Nash. Cash. I, I trash. <laughs> the end, it, this was trash. I uh, I love the end of this segment where, like, after he hangs up the phone, Nash does a deep sigh, grabs his glass of wine, and moans, I don't know if I could take another day of this. <laughs> Again, was this, was this like the cameras have already stopped rolling at this stage and he was, didn't realize he was still on? Um, we then get uh, most of the rap is crap music video, which oh, I fucking love this. Being recorded, this was fabulous. This I, is fucking brilliant. I wept at the live performance a couple of weeks ago. Um, I love this. This is like at first I was just like I knew I had never experienced. Uh, like again, I think I'm watching on and off during this period as a kid, but I don't remember rap is crap. Like I'm, I'm, I'm reading this from Power Slam magazines, and I'm thinking yeah. to myself, this, this sounds awful. I can't. What are they doing with yeah. Kurt Henning? Like I'm thinking, they're gonna pray for Kurt Henning. What are they doing to him? At the start, it seemed really bad, but it made a turn into like goof territory a few weeks ago, where <sighs> I'm like, I'm fully, I'm on fully board on board. It's great. Like I, I, first of all, I love in the video we have Kurt and it's frilly marigolds. Yeah. Like yeah. that's just like. What was the choice there? Like, you know, like he's, is he going to clean a toilet but wants to look yeah. stylish at the same time? And they're doing this hilariously pandering crap that, like, it's so funny that, like, the urban legend goes that this got play on country music stations. Did it actually, though? Like, well, did, like is, that's the thing. No, is, one, no one seems to be able to verify this. But there's definitely, like, people... There's definitely people in various cities in the South that they're at when this angle is going on that are super into the song. And seem to have absolutely no awareness that they are being massively dunked on. Because <laughs> you know there's going to be a good, those couple of hicks that are going to be like, that actually hate rap music and thinking, yeah, yeah. This, is, this, is, this is the song for me. I think that's the, the genius of it, is that <coughs> they're getting really into it. But they're not even stopping for a second to think the people who are doing this 
are the biggest idiots on the roster. Uh-huh. And like this is like Kurt Hennig is a guy who has been like one like physically he's washed, and two he's been like since Rick Rude le- uh, died, he's been understandably for a guy who lost one of if not his best friend at the time, treading water like doing nothing. Um, and this has just given him like it's like a breath of fresh air. It's like he. He fucking loves this. Or at least he's really good at selling like he's really enjoying this. Even if he actually wasn't. It's like, holy shit, does this guy look like he's having the time of his life? He's taking shit and making it into something. Like, you, I think you mentioned there with Canyon and his positivity Canyon. This is on the same vein. This is... He's taking something where he... Let's be honest. The whole NWO, Kurt never fit. He was, he was just another guy, a faceless guy that didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Here, he's entertaining at the very least. Mm. Speaking of the Rednecks, eight-man tag team match. Uh, Damien El Dandy, Silver King, Viano 5 versus the West Texas Rednecks. Barry Windham, Bobby Duncan Jr., Big Bob Combe, Kurt Hennig and Kendall Windham. Uh, I described the former tag team as the beefy luchador Justice League. Uh, I am always delighted to see Silver King on my screen, but I would have appreciated him in a singles match rather than stuck with the likes of Damien. Uh, but here we are. Um, I, I love the fact that the Mexican didn't. The Mexican team didn't have a stereotypical team music, which is no. again for the time is very unheard of. Yes, <laughs> and like, if Russo was already here, would not have been the case. You, we, we, we need lawnmowers first of all we're gonna we're yeah. gonna need definitely some sort of Spanish guitar and that's it like and it's, it's yeah. just refreshing because like like it doesn't happen at this era at all especially if you're WWF Vince he's straight away you're from Mexico you get Mexican music and you'll fucking like it can we talk about the Barry Windham fit because his, his, his never nude shorts this yes the <laughs> the, the, the the coal miners gloves bright yellow the black vest, the never nude jorts, and enormous knee pads. Is He's a great. Fucking, it's a fucking mental look for a, a human being. To have. For someone who had, at one stage in his career had so much like going for him to be reduced yeah. to this, it's like, and he seems really happy to be there. I have a comparison for this this collection of, of human beings to give you at the end of this match, and we'll see if you agree with me. But we'll get we'll get there when we get there. Uh, this match, I look. I wasn't gone on this. I think it was just guys doing moves and filling time. Uh, Dandy versus Kendall was particularly awkward. Shite um, is the word I'd go. Shite. Yeah. Kendall is terrible. He doesn't he's even he's look awful. good. Like, like no. he, his whole he look just hurts like my eyes. Shit. Yeah. Like he's, he's like you know he's some guys like fair enough. You're not blessed with good looks. Like mm. he just doesn't give a shit about his appearance. No. God bless he's him. Not even trying. Barry's haircut is just like it's I don't know what to call it like I remember when he was the, the, the stalker in 1996 and I was like I'm trying to compare what he looked like but um, I don't remember exactly what the actor's name was or really the show too well but I remember there was a show Coach with Greg yeah. T. Nelson and he had like a psychic that looked very similar and I was thinking that's what he looks like he looks like a, a comedy goof and it's just ugh, Barry you were so good in 1990 what happened yeah it's an entirely different human being Hennig when he's in is definitely the best of the cowboys that's not really saying much it's a low bar uh, Dandy throws a few slaps at him and Hennig one of the great things about Hennig even when he's washed is that there are, he's maybe top of the list in WCW when it comes to selling being punch drunk 
like just staggering around. Um, He's always a good seller, to be fair. The Lucha lads gang up on Hennig, uh, and the other fucking Egypts just stand there watching it happen <laughs> until, <laughs> until Big Bob Cum realizes he needs to do something or may have already missed his cue. Uh, so he gets in to interrupt. The crowd don't give a shit about this at all. Um, the match breaks down, and pretty much immediately, like you, it's funny because usually when a match breaks down you get a couple of minutes of brawling and then you get the finish pretty much as it's breaking down Kendall hits a running bulldog out of the corner and they just fucking win and it then was, it was kept short which is a positive yeah, right that's true didn't it stay it's welcome <laughs> and at about 3.4 uh, he Kendall gets back up and drops an extra leg why on not? the man why after not? the bell yeah why not uh, the dorks sing along again um, and this is where a relatively modern day WWE comparison hit me for the West Texas Rednecks at this particular period of time now that they've taken on a few more members. This crew has huge League of Nations energy. Oh man, Jesus. League of Nations, there's something I forgot all about. We have, we, we, we have, we have Rusev, we had Wade Barrett. Oh. Yeah, yeah, big Bertie banter. Bertie, um, Jesus. Yeah, and, Sh- yeah. and Shambo. It's a long time ago. It's a long time ago. Now, I I have, I I believe I've confessed to this before. I'm a huge League of Nations fan. I, I, they, they were, they were the right (laughs) kind of bad stable because they provide, and they provided me with two of the biggest laughs I ever had in modern WWE. Firstly was during the rumble where they took out Roman and Miro did the big come here boss and hugged Vince great stuff (laughs) actually three laughs the one that I really wished was a recurring bit when they had their backstage meeting in their little hall of flags that was great (laughs) around a tiny little table fabulous and then at the one Wrestlemania I attended they was where they had the match with uh, the New Day and they beat them and Wade Barrett cut the most fabulous one sentence promo of all time where he screamed down the microphone that's right the lads have won <laughs> oh the lads yeah when they were calling themselves the lads it was great I like they were I don't think they were good but they were great they it's were tremendously entertaining a great toddunctious energy you know it's brilliant yeah, yeah. yeah they like you transplant them into this period of WCW they're the biggest act on the show I don't I really think it's a it's a big insult to the League of Nations though like yeah, yeah, yeah. my god oh for sure like there's no one here that's that's gonna ever really improve. You look at the likes of Sheamus; he's gone on to better things. When I mean, he's, yeah. he's Wade Barrett had potential. These guys at this stage of career either washed or never yeah, was. Wade, Wade Barrett, if it wasn't for his like his body letting him down, probably would have achieved quite a bit more. Sheamus is great. Miro, obviously fabulous. We both love him. And the he's other awesome. guy, yeah, whatever. Um, Savage, let's go back to uh, amateur dramatics. Savage is in the alley. Oh God, this, I, is, this is brilliant. This is like, it, like, like you you take the lead in this here, but it's just like, how does this guy not know his own ringtone? This is this this is what my very first note was just like. You talk about making your big main event heel look like a fucking idiot. His cell phone goes off, and he has genuinely no idea. He's answering the phone like an absolute payphone, and it's like the most cell phone ringtone of all time. Like it was like just short being a Nokia thirty three ten, like. Yeah, and he picks up the he picks up the payphone. He sorry, he picks up both payphones, one then the other. Um, <laughs> it's in your pocket. Are, 
<laughs> they are strongly implying still, because he's talking that on the phone, that, that gorgeous George is the masseur in question in the, uh, in the robe. Uh, Nash says the deal is just the two of them, four blocks back the way he came. Once again, just saying four blocks back in the other direction absolutely confuses Savage beyond belief. Oh, he's, and he's threatening Nash like a like a low rent Moses, like you know, like he's yeah, just like, yeah. he's just giving the absolute socks, and Nash is just yeah, and okay. swearing. He's being bleeped out and everything. <laughs> um, he's and, definitely uh, trying to do the lotto. He wants to do the lotto. He keeps mentioning he's going to a quick pick. This is where we this is where we piece together the bit about the, <laughs> the belt being ten hostage as well, because the, the the deal is the girl for the the girl for the strap. I think is how it's worded. Um. Next up, we have, uh, again, you want to talk about matches that, that could have been a lot more, given a lot more time. Uh, WCW World Cruiserweight title match. Rey Mysterio Jr. with B.A. Conan Answell versus Blitzkrieg. Uh, a Lee Malone special, I think. Oh, I like um, Blitzkrieg from the day, but he's one of those guys, I think I look back with rose-tinted glasses. Like I, I remember like the odd time I would have caught one of his matches, and I think, this guy's great. This guy's fantastic. He looks like just... It's something so different he's fast and I look at him here and thinking oh he's, he's, he's okay is it like again we said it the first time he showed up is like you don't even have to tell somebody that this guy was heavily influential on Jack Evans <laughs> do you like, know what I mean like he, he's got a he's got a great name I love his name yeah. he's got he's one of the best team musics on the show you know he's getting me pumped yeah. but he just doesn't this it doesn't match up with what he is. You know, oh, the, the, the whole Lee, thing just doesn't Lee match. Lee is going to be so upset with you, Joey. I know. But listen, <laughs> you gotta, you got to be honest and say true to myself. Like, like I look at Blitzkrieg here, and he's just, he does the odd bit of move here and there, stops, yeah. does another move, stops. And yeah. it's, he never gets into any real rhythm. And we know what Ray's capable of. You know, we know when he's firing on all cylinders, you know. And to be fair, like, you know, Ray is, like, he just, he, I wouldn't say he phones it in, but he goes through the motions a bit. Um, so, t- today, once again mentions, uh, tune in on Monday for Brett and Megadeth, but before this match starts, something you alluded to earlier, oh, yes. Joey, BA gets on the mic. Oh, God, what was he doing? What was he doing? He, and it's like, it's your brother something. does this in a different company, how about you do it here? It, it and then horrified trails me off. <laughs> it made me think about that man and that act, which I hated at the time, I still hate now. But yes, BA gets on the mic and does the, oh, you didn't know. Oh, yes, we did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is funny because, like, I would guarantee that at the time, 95% of WCW fans had no idea this man was related to the road dog. We do now, though. That's the thing. Yes. As soon as he mentions it's like, oh, my God, we just put a pair of dreadlocks and a little shit beard. He, it's, it's, yeah. That's him. Yeah, but like, he just does. He's like, you do. Your brother does this. You go do this, and he just, oh god, it's embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. Um, look, I don't have because it's a Blitzkrieg match and because it's a Ray match. Things happen too fast for me to be able to type a play-by-play here. I even wrote, "This is going too fast to type." What oh, I, have I don't down, think it goes that fast. I think again, like, like I'm not saying it's not too fast, but like it, it yeah. doesn't inspire me. This match, it doesn't. Look, it's faster. It's faster than everything else on the show. We'll put it that way. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. First of all, I, a question. And I think I, I need to ask you this, and this maybe yes. I'm on an island on this one. Ray without the mask. What's nope. your opinion? No, no, no. I'm not saying Ray 
with the mask is is not better. Of course, his yeah. reign with the mask is infinitely better. But I don't think he sucks without the mask. Look, in terms of in ring, no. But I think he looks like a tiny little baby. Uh, <laughs> like he like, looks like Conan's son. He looks like. Do you, do you remember the Mario Brothers film? Remember he had yeah. the Koopas in it with the tiny heads. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's that's the thing that does it for me is that he looks like, look for the level that WCW continued to push him at. Yeah, whatever, fine. But for the level he, this guy should have been at for his talent, it's like you can't have him without the mask. Like, yeah, he just would not be taken seriously high up the card. He wouldn't be. And the thing is, like, again, his his strengths were there. Don't strip mm. him of one of his strengths. And it's gonna be, look, he's clearly selling. You know, he's able to sell I'll, merch with this. I'll actually, do you know what, I'll link it into and put over a podcast featuring me that just dropped today. I was on the Must See Matches podcast again, talking about um, Gargano and Almas from TakeOver Philly. And my policy on taking off people's masks, Luchador's masks, is you damn well better look like Andrade if they take off oh, your mask. He looks so much better without the that, mask, doesn't he? Like, that was, I think I ca- on that show, I called him an unreasonably sexy man. Like you, that's how you better look. Like you better look like him, him or, um, or um, Doctor um, Wagner um, Junior. When you take off the mask, <laughs> some um, people just look better without the mask. And he, like Andrade, was one of them. Ray, I don't I think. It's, I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm on island here. Obviously, clearly, but I don't hate it. I don't think he's too bad with the mask. He's pretty much better with the mask. But yes. like, I don't. Th- I, I can. I can buy him coming down the ring as a little chicken shit, little punk who yeah. thinks he's in a gang. And no, yeah, yeah. Look, I guess again. For the level he was actually at, yeah. If I was booking, and the level I'd want somebody like a Rey Mysterio at, I would never take off his mask. Um, so it just depends on what you're kind of the context you're looking at him in. Because again, True. it's not like they took off his mask and it's like, oh my god, he's hideous or anything like that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? He's, tele- he's telegenic. He's expressive. Um, you could say that if you're going to slot him firmly as a mid or undercard guy. Um, that you know he has this youthful face about him that's going to get young people engaged in the product perhaps now i would say that's not nearly worth it as much as if they had actually properly merchandised the man thinking about the millions and millions wwe would make on masks years later from i'm, I'm just shocked how wwe actually got him Do you know like it, they yeah. don't get many people from wcw let alone people who are race size and stature it's a, it's a yeah. miracle they actually were successful no one let and them be and that they himself. never took the mask off him. Yeah, they're, even, they're not that stupid. Like, you know, but, yeah. like, but did they give him the, the call of the soldier? They did not. They did, they not. did not. That's true. I don't um, know. Have you ever seen any soldier's call like that? I, look, I, I can't fault him. I no. can't fault him for that. <laughs> um, look, um, Blitzkrieg does a cool cork, corkscrew, corkscrew leapfrog. Um... There's like some good kind of like they've they've got a bit of electricity with the crowd going back and forth. Um, Blitzkrieg gets the heat, and what I thought was like, and this speaks to kind of what you were saying, Joey, is that when Blitzkrieg gets the heat, like uncharacteristically for how they've portrayed both these men, the match just slows the fuck down. And like, I like when this happens with certain guys. So like when Psychosis would play like the bully heel of the Luchadors and things would slow down and he'd take control and he was just like a base and a mean bully to guys like Kidman or to Ray. A, mo- a modern him. modern comparison would be Penta. Like when he slows yeah. down something, he looks vicious. He looks like yeah. he's going to kick your fucking head off. This didn't work for me. 
Um, Ray reverses a powerbomb into a Hurricane Rana over the ropes to the outside. Uh, diving nothing from Blitzkrieg meets a dropkick block by Ray. Ray fires up, hits his Rough Rider, and then a top rope Frankensteiner, which does the job. Um, I don't think uh, anybody's in any doubt what you thought about this, Joey. Disappointing. Ah, uh, it's just not my not my cup of tea compared to what Ray is capable of, and I think. Like for the time, yeah, I think maybe it would have been you know a, a lot better. But I remember even just like even WSA WWE having like the odd uh, you know cruiserweight sometimes that'd be better than this. Like you know to have Taka you know or uh, uh, Ray S A for example. Yeah, Aguila. There you go. And like this is way better. The the Ray Mysterio is capable of much better. But again, it's not bad. It's not, I'm not saying it's poor. I just think it was a bit disappointing when I seen Blitzkrieg and Ray. I was thinking, hey, this this could really cook. Yeah. both time and like they were just leaving a lot undone like they didn't really do the full amount that they are capable of the the two of them Uh, next up we go back to see the the hostage negotiations what a hostage Uh, negotiation it is I, I have to love that like so this is in like stereotypical like skid row sort of like definitely not somewhere on like a studio lot it's one of those places that, like, I don't know about you, Joey, but I was looking at this, and, like, this is one of those places that is made to look grimy via set dressing rather than actually somewhere that's grimy. <laughs> oh, it's... it's I, 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 again, I can't fault this at all for what it is. I enjoyed it. Oh, look. It's... What it is, I loved it. Starting off with uh, Kevin Nash. As we all, when we show up to a hostage exchange, discreetly shows up in an enormous limo. Yeah. Uh, Sa- he arrives and Savage is already standing in the middle of the road going absolutely mad. Oh, he's uh, Sid-, Sid Vicious in casual clothes. Like, really. Sid just turns Savage. up. Like, like that's the thing. Like, if, if you didn't watch Nitro, I'm, I'm looking at this and myself, right? Why is Sid here? I know where this is going. Obviously, where the card is going. But at this particular time, I'm thinking, Sid just rocks up. Where was Why was, was he not macho on his side when he's pacing come down? Was he not trying to answer the cell phone there? Like, well, he just kind of rocks up and Homer suddenly yeah this is the whole thing is that he was supposed to show up alone and immediately Nash could see that he didn't show up alone he's got his buddy with him and Nash gets out anyway there's something about Sid in normal people clothes that just shoots his mystique to shit for me because I'd rather come out in softball stuff personally like he's like it kind of there was a moment on the last show where I noticed that him standing beside Savage it's like there's not that much difference in their height and Sid is supposed to be a giant um, and this is another one of those where I'm like god Sid doesn't look nearly the the absolute like freak show attraction when he's wearing normal people clothes I don't think that did him any favours oh. well nor would it have been if he was standing in the middle of the road in his ring gear so I don't know what you do to get out of that like maybe his 2000s WCW look of just being like in the in the waist jacket and like mom jeans maybe <laughs> would have done it um so there's various street toughs looking on as this uh, this verbal exchange happens. I was convinced uh, that these were like the hot cops from Arrested Development, you know, like he oh was <laughs> just blow a shotgun hole through the door with it. Like, oh, stop, police! <laughs> All it was missing is like a man's arm flying off in the middle of it, and that's why you never exchange hostages. <laughs> Goddamn Jay Walter Weatherman. <laughs> um. So yeah, Sid starts off the fight by doing the world's most telegraphed swing with the belt, misses. Nash has the upper hand on them until, very specifically, a man 
that in some ways resembles sting attacks. <laughs> Jeff Farmer's like, hey, that's my gimmick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they grab a girl from the limo, and you can already see where this is going. Oh, isn't uh, it? It's very clearly not Gorgeous George. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. They grab a girl from the limo and speed off in the Hummer. Then we go to our main event, which is Rick Steiner versus Buff Bagwell for the TV title. Uh, Rick questions whether uh, Buff is indeed in possession of the stuff uh, and says, why don't I come in the ring and knock the hell out of you, boy? Uh, Very quickly, quickly, Steiner tears up the mat and pile drives Buff, then drops him on the rail. Uh, they're doing the thing which is like basically how all Buff's matches are laid out now is that the heel tries to break his neck again Listen, it's super cool I love that like just from an aesthetic point of view Rick Steiner is a big enemy nowadays of the LGBTQ <laughs> contingency when he's dressed like this yeah like, yeah honestly right like he, he, like he would have thought he was an ally just to, just based on how he's dressing here, but yeah. no, he's. But then again, when you listen to him talking, yeah, that's. I was like, we've, yeah. we've rung this bell a number of times in terms of references on the show, but he's very much. I'm looking for something that says, "Dad likes leather." <laughs> you mean leather, Daddy? Oh, there is such a thing. We're just gonna go and keep going to boy. He's got the well as him today. We just need yeah. someone dressed in blue today, and we'd be right. Rick is off to the gothic asshole. Uh, <laughs> in the, in this that's for sure. Um, so yeah, they're doing the thing where like, look, I like the thing where like, if a guy has an injury that the heels work on that, that I have no problem with, but it's the going from zero to 90 where like almost immediately the first stop is a, is a pile driver on the concrete. It's like, that's something you do deep into a match. Like that's a big, like that's, we're calling out the stretchers sort of thing. Like you don't do that as your opening and salvo. They, they, they in a match. nowhere to go following that. And again, yeah, yeah. but considering that the, there's nowhere the, to go, and they do in fact go nowhere. They do, and like let's be honest here, like Buff is is very limited. Rick at this stage in his career is extremely limited. It's yeah, it, this 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 was never gonna go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Buff the Buff, toilet. <laughs> Buff is limited post uh, neck injury, but he is fucking steamboat compared to. I just like I can imagine Vince McMahon didn't see this match pre-invasion and you know, like, I think no. if he sees this match he's not giving him Booker that time mm-hmm. things could have worked out so much differently you know Buff is just he's just he is charismatic he has something yeah. don't get me he is a likeable goof in certain extents I love his overconfidence like, I, I, yeah. I love his entrance to the ring so many people don't play to the crowd when they're walking to the ring yeah. the way he does it's not something that's commonly done these days at least but he's 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 got his strengths and his strengths aren't wrestling much as I appreciate what they're kind of um, like that they're going for something with him at, at the moment I do still pine for him and um Stein, uh, him and Scott Steiner as like upper mid card goofs, but they were great together. They played so well off each other. They had great chemistry, and like Buff Bagwell, he is like you know the guy behind the the, the charisma here in the crowd is a bit of a you know bit of a dork. You know he is yeah. you know at the end of the day. So you know it's it's a natural fit for him. But that kind of, yeah that kind of character works better when it's a smarmy heel. You know what I mean? Yeah, but and but look. It's just one of those things that, like, you look at Buff Bagwell, and he is, like, he, I, I always felt like he just never really thoroughly found his real place in professional wrestling, you know? Like, he he had something, but 
he was never going to be that guy he's going to be a work rate guy that's going to be main eventing he's never going to be that guy unless it, you know some things dramatically changed following his neck injury but he's he's a guy I always liked he was a bit of a guilty pleasure you know I love his team music I love his look he's just yeah there's something about him I don't know I just I, I was always kind of warm to the guy yeah look it's a, he's testament to the fact that like pro wrestling you know especially on television is often more than just the belt bell you know uh, Brian Alvarez used to say that like pro wrestling is the art of taking in a mobile stiff and making you think he's the best wrestler that ever walked the earth oh. and like Buff Bagwell's appeal is definitely like in, in that school of thought I think like he can't do a shit in the ring anymore like if, if, God, if like, Jungle Boy or you know Sammy Guevara had probably more of his sort of attributes he they could have been more you know more appealing in this like sort of four pillars four way but they kind of lack in them sort of way to connect to the crowd where Buff yeah. Bagwell probably at this stage in his career just cannot connect as a wrestler in the ring mm. uh, so Buff is really struggling going through a break uh, and then we return to rest holes. Yay. That's what we really wanted in this match. <laughs> Buff makes a comeback, uh, a comeback during which Rick is not much interested in selling. Stop me if I've heard that one before. Uh, a gut wrench and a charge into the corner from Rick. Buff recovers. Uh, he goes for the blockbuster, but as he's on top of the ropes, David Flair comes out looking like Prison Mike from The Office. <laughs> Prison uh, Mike, that's a good show, man. That's a good show. In a fucking dumbass bandana and the fucking stun gun is back. Like, I saw Nash with the stun gun in that Nitro recap and I was like, please God, please God, don't let the stun gun be back as a thing. But unfortunately it is. He uses the stun gun on Buff and Rick wins. Um, uh, I, I mean, again, I don't think there's any shock here, but uh, what did you think uh, of the main event here before we get to the real main event? Hmm, it was lacking. Definitely lacking. Again, like... David Flair has no place really being in anywhere near the wrestling business, you know. Like, and especially like I, I'm, like, it's just not called for. It's, the match was bad enough as it is without a fuck finish. Like, ugh, just I'm glad it's over. Yeah, yeah. It ends, but then we get like an almost like MCU style postscript of the this crescendo, show. the climax, yes. what we all came here for, the big payoff. As it's revealed. Uh, they're back in the car, they're heading away from the hostage exchange, and I'm sure you were blown away by this shock. Didn't see it coming. Turns out, it was Tory under the the, 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 the sack the whole time. It wasn't like, a gorgeous George. They didn't realise this during the car journey. <laughs> yeah. And, like, they, yeah, they didn't immediately check on site or on the car. They got to another location, stopped, and then took her out and then took the, the <laughs> like, hood or whatever she off. Does, and, uh, again, but she has similarities to Gorge Doors and the fact that she's female, but they look like completely different women. Yes. If completely. you are, if you are, dare I say, a sexist, Whoa. you would think they are identical. They are blonde, generously proportioned women. Voluptuous like, is the word is you're the, looking for. What? Vincent Van's voluptuous. I yes, love that oh, word. Yeah. It's the only person I've ever like really known to use that word repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she declares that Nash is much smarter than you. Now, I think that may be the dumbest line in the whole thing because if I was savage, I would have done what they apparently didn't, which would be, hey, look, Nash has just handed us a hostage. <laughs> now we have our own. But so, Nash doesn't give two shits about Tori. He's you know, babyface Nash doesn't give a shit. Is willing to give away a human life. Oh man, just for yucks. 
to get his belt back. Um, so that's the end of Thunder episode 69. Nice. Um, Joey, you are the co-host, so you have the responsibility of giving your overall thoughts on the show and your winners and losers of this episode. Well, the winner is definitely me because I got to come on this show. That's first and hey. first, you know. Um, like, uh, oh, flattery will get you everywhere, my yes, friend. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Like, yeah, the, the winners of this is Eddie Guerrero, first of all. Like, like, he, like mm. it's hard to... This guy is, to quote Cody Rhodes, he's undeniable. Like, he, even when he's at the lower end of the card, if he's given shit, he'll make something work with it. The guy is he's he's looking great. He's cut. He's in shape. He's not exactly like you know, two thousand three Eddie Guerrero at this stage, but he's looking in great shape. He's quick. He's agile. He has this presence and intensity that some people just will never have. You can't buy that. He is just you know, it's a shame that he's only in a really a sort of basic match in this card. It's grand. It's nothing inoffensive. It's fine, but. There's nothing really inspiring on this card, bar the wrestle crap of Macho Man. You know, like it's yeah. Macho Man was he was an absolute MVP. Like his acting skills, his delivery, his complete confusion. It's just you cannot watch this and not enjoy it. He's perfectly cast in this ridiculous charade of hostages and trade offs and swerve kidnappings. It's just ah. Uh, man this is so bad it's good this is why we watched under yeah yeah for sure it was like in that way it was one of the better ones we've done in a while so i appreciate that um i don't know how they're going to bring this shit into land for the pay-per-view but i'm I'm along for the ride anyway like just when you're watching some wrestling sometimes like you know if it's so boring that's when it's bad this was not boring. This is it, it, I was captivated every time Macho Man was on screen. You know, every time Kevin Nash had like a sultry sort of you know heel promo as the face, it was just yeah. This is what we came to see. This is what wrestle crap is at its best. Is it's cheesy. Yeah. It's low rent. It's poorly done, and it just shouldn't work. But yet, it makes me laugh. It makes me smile, and therefore, I come away entertained. Yeah. No. Absolutely. The finish counter, brought to you by Ludwig Borga, gives this six matches with four clean finishes and only two interference leading directly to a finish. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. We'll be back on the free feed in two weeks. We'll be back next week at the Patreon, alargemanappears.com. Five Europeans gets you an extra two to three podcasts a month minimum at the moment. So um, check that out, and we'll see you again very soon. Joey, before we wrap up completely i want to give you the last word here um hit us up with any plugs where can people find you where can they check out what you do i'm usually just a voices of wrestling contributor at the moment the odd you know article here and there nothing crazy but um yeah hopefully you know when the the babies are a bit older i'll get back to the podcasting game and be able to have some more lovely in-depth discussions about the wonderful world of professional wrestling yeah, well, we're absolutely going to have you back on this show, so you definitely have a standing invite, but you may want to use those opportunities earlier rather than later as this thing starts to careen off of <laughs> both the podcast and World Championship Wrestling, I mean. The better um, the better get this gets is by how WCW gets worse, and you are going to be, you're going to have plenty of innings, my friend. Plenty to talk about, that's for sure. Uh, but thank you so much sincerely for myself and Lee for, uh, for for joining the show this week Joey I think it was a, a fun chat like I said we'll definitely have you back and uh, for everybody else uh, thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to you very soon bye bye thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder Days of Thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me Dave Ryan 
Keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us. You can follow us on Twitter at WCWThunderPod or click the Linktree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. I am at the Day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Follow the VOW network anywhere good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts than you can shake a stick at. Thanks. Now, it's Mike Gilbert, host of the Mike and JD Show, right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Join JD by God Oliva and myself every Thursday night live on the Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we stay up all night discussing all the hottest stories of professional wrestling. You can also check us out right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting feed or you can subscribe to the Mike and JD Show feed. Now, enjoy the show.